If the gospel is not the way of salvation, it is not a way of salvation. And we're not just dogmatic about this, we are bulldogmatic about this. Ready to sink your teeth into scripture and get a bulldog grip on its truth? Listen on some doctrine and get bulldogmatic. Here is your host. Well, you know, you bring up a very good point that, and something we should remember when we go to funerals, because I've been to some funerals uh, where it's obvious that person was a Christian. You could tell by the way they've lived their life and the things they've said to you in, uh, when you're with them. Now, but of course, we can't see their heart, but we have confidence right. because of the fruit that we see. We saw the life they were living their right. life. But sometimes we go to funerals and it's a whole lot sadder than others because their life maybe doesn't have that fruit. But we it's good that we can't see their heart because we don't know what happened in the last few seconds of that person's We we don't, we don't if they if they were but you know I I think it was John Wesley that said there's one case of deathbed conversion in the Bible and he was referring to the thief on the cross. Mm-hmm. He said, there's one case of death, bed, uh, 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 conversion in the Bible, so that none may despair, but only one. Only one. So that none may presume. Right. Don't wait to the last minute. Amen. Get it right. And, and so you're right. We, we cannot know what happened in the very last minute. But I was reading today in a, in a separate book, and uh, the, the, the man said, Men typically die as they live, mm-hmm. which means the man who lived his life rejecting God probably died in the same day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to get to that. Oh, I'm ahead. Of, I'm ahead of you. Again. You're ahead of me again, as always. <laughs> but that's that, that's true. And I got. I probably should have brought this up a little bit later on because I am going to be talking about that, but. Uh, Dr. Ferguson goes on and he says, In the death of death, Christ has destroyed the one who has the power of death. In Hebrews uh, chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, it says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Pastor Christ came to deliver those who through fear of death all their lifetime were in bondage. In John 8:34 Jesus says, "Truly truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave is a slave to sin." How is sin bondage, and how is fear of death bondage? Okay, well, uh, sin is bondage in the sense that it, you you buy into the idea that this will make me happy, that that will that will, and and I define myself by that that thing. Okay, that happiness. Um, 
death, I say that death brings people into bondage in the sense of, uh, and this is just one observation. Not, or the fear of death. Or the fear of sense. death brings in people into bondage is, uh, uh, you know, you could have very, you have multiple applications for that as well, where people go on health kicks and they don't want to take a chance at all. You know, somebody like uh, Howard Hughes, who was a germaphobe and spent his last years in total isolation because he was afraid of getting something and dying from it. Uh, I would say that there's a, a hint of that with our recent COVID stuff where everybody was just acting like, you know, one breath and you're dead. Right. Um, that's a, that's a bondage uh, of that, that kind of fear. So there's many things that, that you could, you could probably list. I have to put a caveat in here, though, about I have known some people, I've done some funerals where there was no sign that they were in the least bit worried and they were not living for God. Mm-hmm. They were not living for God. They just weren't. They just didn't care. They didn't they didn't care. Yeah. Death was just one of those things. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had to do a funeral a couple of years ago and the people put a can of beer and a pack of cigarettes in the coffin as if these people were going to get up and smoke and drink later on. Yeah. It, it's just, it was such a, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be too harsh uh, regarding, you know, acts of sentimentality on our part. Right. So the person might have done this for their own good and not out of some belief of what, but I also have to say, for me, that was a very flippant, irrespect, disrespectful act. Mm-hmm. It, it, without that, that really showed no sense of no sense of what what death really entails. So that's one of those verses that I really have to unpack a lot because I've seen people who just are indifferent when it comes to the idea that you're going to die. They just, oh well. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I I would have to unpack that verse a little more precisely. Mourning is an interesting thing because people deal with mourning in a variety of different yeah. ways. Yeah, you know, that's so, a good. That's a very good point. So that's probably is how that person was dealing with their own. Right. You know, they weren't really thinking about that other. That and that's you know, I, I believe that when people are crying. You know, they're not really crying for that person. They're crying because they miss that person. So it's kind of almost like a mourning is almost a selfish thing, but it's something, you know, that happens. Yeah, well, you're right. You're right that everybody's different. Uh, I remember my aunt died a couple years after my mother died. And my sister said that my aunt had never really mourned for my mother. And I never understood what that meant. I'm, what do you mean she didn't mourn for her? I don't, I don't understand that. So people respond differently and they do mourn differently. Um, but in trying to answer the question, how does death bring bondage? The fear of death bring bondage. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how to answer that, given some of the things that I've seen mm-hmm. with people. Well, let's go on. Uh, 
Dr. Ferguson talks about Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, which read, And you were dead in the tre- in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 55 through 57, of course, we're talking about uh, Christ has the power to destroy the one that has the power of, of death. And First uh, <clears throat> Corinthians reads, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Um, so, do we see contrast here in these verses in Ephesians and in First uh, Corinthians? Yeah, yeah, of course we did. Yeah. So, so he says the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, we see being in Christ and out of Christ. Right. It, being in Christ and in the world, I guess, right. would be a better way uh, to see it. So, you know, uh, talking about power, conquering the one that has the power over death, whoever can do that is pretty powerful, Yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, because of course, uh, death is universal. Right. Universal. You know, people say, I don't believe in absolute truth. Death is an absolute truth. Exactly. It takes it, it takes everybody, everything. Uh, even the universe, uh, though it, it's, you know, scientists tell us it's a long way down the road, mm-hmm. but eventually the universe will die of heat, a heat death. It, uh, all of its energy will be expended and it will die. Death is universal and it's absolute. Right. And so to make a claim that you have the power to undo it, that's a major, that, that's that a major is, claim. That's powerful, powerful. So we, you know, we have uh, some people that deny the deity of Christ, of course, as Christians, we believe that Jesus is God, right. uh, God in the flesh. Right. Um, but pastor, you know, um, promises without power, they really don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. No. Uh, if you make a promise, but you can't deliver on it, it means absolute absolutely nothing. nothing. Important. So, and yeah. So can we rest in the unshakable power of God in yes. Christ? Yes, absolutely. That's an easy one. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Ferguson goes on uh, to talk about preparation for death and how Christian in the Christian life we can prepare for death. And also we want to talk about how non-Christians can prepare for death as well. Romans 8, 38 and 39, familiar verse. It says, For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor Things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So again, we see in Christ Jesus, which is a huge uh, contrast and dividing uh, point. So how does that verse help the Christian prepare for death? Well, it gives you the assurance that death is not the end. It's not the end of the story. And if you're in Christ, you, I guess we said earlier, you don't lose anything. You gain 
everything with your death. Uh, you es- you escape uh, the horrors of, of eternity without God. It's just lots of nuances there that can be unpacked. Yeah. Well, Dr. Ferguson talks about Philippians one twenty three, where Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, says, "I am hard pressed between the two. He's talking about right. staying or going on to be with the Lord. He says, "My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better." Here again is one of those generalized questions, I guess. This is that I have. Um, would you say that most Christians, <laughs> most Christians, right. uh, desire is to depart and be with Christ? I, I would say a great big no, no. And I, I would say, and I would draw and say, so, so again, we're not most. We're not saying that every person listening to us or watching a podcast doesn't feel like I'm ready to go to be with Jesus, mm-hmm. but. But so many people, when they talk about going to heaven, they're talking about seeing someone else other than Jesus. Paul That's says, true. "Paul says I'm ready to depart and be with Christ, not with my grandmother, my mom, or my dad." I have, and again, I'm not diminishing the legitimacy. I've been married to my wife for forty years. Um, I know I've known people. My 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 daughter-in-law's mother was married for 57 years to her husband who died this year. I'm not trying to diminish that connection and the grief that follows with it. But what we're told scripturally is when you get to heaven, you're no longer married to that person. Mm-hmm. But you'll hear people say, I, I want to die so I can go and be with my husband. It's not your husband there. So, so that's the... That's the perspective I'm, I'm, I'm drawing from is the idea that there are very few people who want to go and be with Christ. They want to get out of the world. They want to get out of their suffering. They want to get away from their problems. They want to be you reunited with, with loved ones, but being with Christ is something that you rarely hear mentioned. It's very seldom, very seldom. I, I know, I know a man years ago and he had cancer and he was going to die. And he told me, he said, I'm not, I'm not afraid of dying. I've got more family in heaven than anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. But the reason you should not be afraid of dying is because Christ conquered death, and I want to go see him. Amen. I want to be with Christ. So so that to me is, again, you, you have to be careful. You know, well, there are circumstances, you know, and, and I've seen these pers- uh, personally where uh, someone is very close to death and they're ready. They're ready, and they make the statement, I'm ready to be with Jesus. I'm ready to go be with Jesus, be with my Lord. So, you know, a lot of times we tend to group everybody into one group. And we've got to be careful with that. We We sure do. But I I would say that I think that is, again, I would see that as as a barometer of where the church is doctrinally in the 21st century, Mm -hmm. that people don't realize that they're not going to go to heaven to be with so-and-so. They're, they're going to, they will be with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. We will know our family. We will know our friends. We will know his associates. But we are going to be with Christ. You know. Which brings up my next question, and I'll rephrase it a little bit from the way I have it written. 
Um, for the mature Christian, what can be better than being with Christ? Right. Yeah, that's the whole key right there. The mature Christian, it is about going to be with Christ and recognize it. Look, how am I going to make it because of what he did? He saved me. He kept me. He brought me through. And that experience should draw me to a place that I want to, where I want to be with him. If you love someone, you want to know them and you want to be with them. Right. And I, and I, and I understand, you know, you say, well, a billion people are going to be with him. How can we all be with him? Well, that's, that's a question we can't answer in this mm-hmm. life. But the point is that Paul, having been rescued from his sin, seeing the horror of what his life could have been, said, I have a desire to go and be with Christ. And, and there are other connotations of that verse as well for the people that we didn't really talk about. It. I don't think Dr. Ferguson talked about it, but that idea that you sleep, you know, you die, you just sleep until you get till, till you get woke up in the resurrection. But Paul said, Paul didn't say, you know, I, I want to die and just be dead because that's essentially what it would be. He says, I want to go and be with Christ. That's a silly thing to say if you know that you're not going to be with him till the resurrection, which might happen thousands of years from now. Right. Of course, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Right. Um, so it's an immediate, it's an immediate transaction. But do we really want to go and, and be with Christ like, like Paul? Right. Now, now we should say that we, I don't know that everybody should have the same passion as Paul had. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Paul says it, maybe he's making a unique statement, right? Because he's, a bit, but 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 we should be thoughtful about, you know, do I am I really animated about getting to heaven and seeing Christ? Mm-hmm. This is this is one of the concerns I think with respect to uh, dispensational end time passages. I'm waiting for the Lord to come. Every time the election goes the wrong way, you'll hear Christians say, oh, I'm waiting for the Lord to come. Yeah. Because they want to get out of here because they don't like what's happening here. It's got nothing to do with being with Christ. Right. So so, so I've said enough about that. Well, it's sad but true. Um, Dr. Ferguson uh, goes on and it looks like I've caught up with you maybe. <laughs> You're going to jump ahead of me again, I'm sure. It says, uh, he said, men usually die as they live, which you taught, uh, you told, talked Maybe that's before. where I read it. That's where you read it. Okay. Uh, he also said, devotion to our Lord is a habit. Mm-hmm. He said, it is relatively unlikely that we will be better Christians than we want to be wow. right now. Yeah, that's powerful. That is pretty powerful. That's very powerful. Uh, Titus 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages, began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. So in in verse 1 of Titus 1, it says, 
he says, knowledge of the truth. How does knowledge of the truth apply to our devotion to Christ? Well, it's knowledge of the truth in, in my knowledge that I am incapable of meriting the righteousness of the grace of God, mm-hmm. that I cannot in my own strength gin up the righteous standard that he has. That kind of knowledge is liberating. You know, we talked a lot about it at different times, but I felt, and, I, and I've and i met other people like this, who when they come upon the uh, reformed doctrines of grace and are powerfully uh, shown that we're saved by his, it's liberating. It's mm-hmm. I, I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work for it. Right. I just have to live with it, live in it, function in it. But getting in it is God's work. And so it's, it can be very liberating. So that's the knowledge, the knowledge of that, that can be so liberating and, and strengthening. The thought just crossed my mind that, of course, Christ is the foundation of our faith. But the word of God, that's got to be at least the bricks of our faith. Right. As we build our faith. Um, so we see here that this we see, of course, another solo, that the source of all authority is Scripture alone. He, right. he talks about the knowledge of truth and at the proper time it was manifested in his word. So I talk about before we don't have the authority to right. to make decisions about uh, rules in our lives or a lot of things that apply to our lives. We have, uh, but we have one thing that does have the authority, and that goes right back to the Word of God. Authority should uh, uh, the Word of God should have authority in the Christian's right. life. Correct? Yes, absolutely. And how does that apply? Uh, that's how we grow as Christians, right? Right. right. Uh, so it's very, very important, um, Pastor. How important is remembering and resting in the unbreakable promises of God? Again, that's one of those questions that's very hard to quantify. I mean, you know, the confidence in the unbreakable promise of God is absolutely essential. It's absolutely essential. When we have periods of our lives, when we are struggling with doubt, what is it we're doubting? We're doubting that God cares or that God can do what he said or that he will keep his promises. That's what we're struggling with. And so for the person to come to that conviction, the deep-seated, God-given conviction, his promises will not fail. Mm-hmm. I think it, was, it takes you right back to that Romans passage. Right. Who can be against us? Exactly. Who can be against us if God is for us? That's, that's the, um, and I, I would say that's where you meditate upon the word, but also reflect upon all the ways God has blessed in the past. That's what one of the things that I do is whenever I get in a pickle, I have to, I'm at a point in my life now. So for the young Christian, a new person just getting started, this is not going to happen overnight. But for those Christians who've been in the, in, in the, on the road with the Lord for a long period of time, you have the ability to sit down and look back and say, okay, now there's something God did. And that's something God did. And there's some time God came through. And then you get to a place where I'm at where you say, and it can sound flippant, but you just say, well, we've been through worse. You know, we've seen, we've survived this, we survived that, we've been through worse. God's always come through. He's going to make a way. Mm-hmm. And he does, right. you know. 
So it's that it's but but it's growing to that place where you know God keeps his promises. So in preparing for death, uh, I guess Dr. Ferguson is talking about that our devotion life is very, very important, that we grow. We grow in, in Christ. Right. And continue to grow as we become more and more like him, the more prepared for death we will be. The more prepared for death we will be. And, and there's, again, numerous connotations there. We have a deeper sense of the, uh, uh, temper, the, uh, the temporary nature of life on earth, that, that sense that, um, you know, that passage comes to mind in the book of, of, of Psalms where it says, precious in the sight of the Lord, is the death of his saints mm-hmm. that he's looking forward to me coming home right. as much as I'm looking forward to going home. That's right. Wow. I mean, you know, so those are the kinds of things we meditate upon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I also think we, we need to meditate upon in our devotional life, the wisdom of God. God gave me this many years and that's perfect. Mm-hmm. No matter how many it is, whether it's short or long, God gave me this much, and if I truly trust his wisdom, then I trust that that this is the time that I should go. You know, uh, that, that I think, is, is probably one of the biggest devotional issues of the kind of wisdom. I, there's a passage in, uh, in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 59, and depending on which version you're reading from. So, but, but, but the King James, I think, basically says, the righteous perishes. The righteous man perishes and no one lays it, takes it to heart. No one sees that he is taken out of the way of the, the, the wicked day. Mm-hmm. In other words, sometimes people die because God is sparing them something ahead. And that's part of the meditation. Well, Lord, why have I got this cancer? Why am I... Why can't I live another 25 years? What I have to develop in my devotional life is an understanding of, Lord, this, this is perfect. And, you know, my, my mantra, you've heard it before, and I just, I've tried to grow to a place where I really think this way. And I often say it, Lord, if this is the last day, thank you for my life. Because that's all you can say. That's right. You, know, you can't, you know. And he said, well, what about, what about Isaiah, Hezekiah? You know, Hezekiah, he prayed for, he prayed for God to spare him. Yeah. And he made a mess out of it. Yeah. So what is the lesson? Is the lesson, and I always want to challenge people is, is the lesson that if you pray hard enough, God will give you some more time? Or is the lesson, trust God when he says it's time to come home? Because if you hang around longer, you just go mess things up. Mm-hmm. That's part of our devotional life that I think can prepare you for heaven because I think, you know, I think for myself. So I put this in the context of my own heart. We already talked about how I'm concerned about the people that I'm leaving behind. But I'm also wondering how many people think about, yeah, but I could have done so much more. I just had a little more time. But that's where we're coming down to the wisdom of God. Because first off, you can't do anything unless he's going to empower you to do it. Mm-hmm. And we've seen young Christians. We've seen people. When I first got saved, there was a, a young musician named Keith Green. I don't know if you ever remember Keith Green. Uh, he was he was a young musician. He had some powerful music for the uh, young 
young people in that day. Um, just, you know, some really strong. And he died in a plane crash. He was just, in fact, he, so in his ministry, he had such success, he was giving away his third album. Wow. His third album, uh, so you want to go back to Egypt, I think was the name of it. He was, it was free. You just had to ask for it. So this is the kind of ministry he had, and boom. Now you can see somebody say, what? what? He had such gifts. He had such a possibilities. But we go back to the wisdom of God. And we say, God in his wisdom has given this man X amount of years. And so I must, in my, in my devotional time, as I'm thinking and preparing for death, God has given me this many years. And they've been more, there've been, there's been better years than not, more joy than sorrow, more peace than conflict, more provision than lack. I mean, you go down the list yeah. and all of us, those are the kinds of things that I would suggest have to be part of my devotional life in preparing for death. Excellent. To be continued, we will continue this conversation in the next episode and it keeps getting more and more interesting. Be sure to like and share this with your friends, and be sure to subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening.